BetMGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at BetMGM. Simply download the BetMGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. The legends are true. But overwhelming power. The sauce of destiny. Yes! The most legendary sauce has arrived as McDonald's transforms into the anime world of Donald's. The greatest flavors unite in all new savory chili McDonald's sauce to make your 10-piece nuggets, fries, and Sprite ultra-powerful. Unlock manga comics with every meal and sit down for a new anime short every week only at McDonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba, go! And participate in McDonald's for a limited time while supplies last. Back to old school with DP and J on 93.7 The Ticket and theticketfm.com. We are back, J Foreman DP. We appreciate everybody on the text line and uh, on YouTube live stream. Uh, appreciate the support. Obviously, everybody's tuning in for Colorado Week, even though it's uh, four to six and been here all day. We're going to spread some of the love. But, uh, you know, I was thinking, you know, after watching it, um, numerous times not not thinking it was going to change you know i think there was more there uh i think they left some yards out there for sure you know to be honest with you i i think that the offensive line probably played a little bit better than they got credit for um i think turner got a lot of the blame for those two sacks but i i know his inside help was not there and that's what your way so i think the that that to me is what I if I was if that was me and I was expecting inside help and I'm getting beat and you're the one that's being talked about on you know numerous times. We're gonna talk after that series, and we're gonna and you will know for the rest of the season, you will be there. You know, there's an old story about Deion Sanders where they he said he hated two man right because he had to play man to man differently, and they were practicing, and this is when he was in San Francisco. And the safety was kind of, you know, Dion was a notorious hard worker, you know, oddly, you know, contrary to belief that he, <laughs> so he practiced like he played. Well, the safety was kind of Cadillacing. Well, he was like, hey, look, man, you're making me look bad on tape. Safety's like, I got there. So I guess it happened like two or three times. So Dion got up, socked him in the face. He said he never had to worry about it again. I don't know if you're that. that's the answer. <laughs> Um, it was the answer for for for, it, it, for the goat. Well, it, that you could do that back then, right? But, uh, answer to the goat. Yeah. Um, you know, I think that the uh, the thing is, Austin. imagine that. Wow. Right. Yeah. Well, that was that was probably needed. The one when Steve Smith hit Steve Smith hit the the, the guy for for asking what route he ran. That was yeah. probably not necessary, but that, that, that's uh, you there's know. so many of those. Well, that was the way it was back then. Because yeah. the guy, you take pride in your work. You, you know, you're, you're practicing to win championships. You're practicing to win a game. 
practice is a part of the game. It's not just a necessary evil and you go through yeah. the motions. So um, I think that one of the things they need to do is they try to they need to figure out how to get Jeff Sims and the offense to play at a – I hate using the word fast uh-huh. because we heard it for so long. Uh-huh. And, you know, what? I, I, my whole thing is, yeah, you can run 100 plays in practice, but if you only run 40 of them good, then you're wasting time for the other 60. I want I want to see if they can up the pace. Up the pace. And what I mean is in and out of the huddle, up your read pace and more efficiently, right? That'll get you in a rhythm. And then also you got to be able to work some stuff in for other guys and and and, and if you want to soften up a defense and get them off of you from just selling out and stopping the run, you know? Essentially 7-8 in the box and see how see if you can get past our two first first round corners for four quarters. Then you got to start to work in the intermediate, right? That's Billy Kemp. That's Borkature. That's maybe Fedoni. Um, maybe that's a running back, you know, slipping out Ramirez in the flat or option routes um, to loosen up the defense. I would listen to – and, again, I'm a student of coaches around me, right? So – and been to the coaching camps, and Joe Gibbs is looking at you. and They would talk about speed of play. And he he would go he would revert to what you just said. It was way more what he wanted was efficiency. He wanted right. to get it right. He didn't care how many plays they ran if they were run right. He said the focus anytime I paced, based my conversation on tempo, I was taking the focus away from the focus, which was run the play the right way. Right. And then because I know what I'm doing. Then I can go. I can play fast when I know, hey, it's 50 gut. It's 50 gut. Like, we know how to run 50 gut. Okay, we can run 50 gut five times in a row, and we're going to kick their tail. And they may stop it once out of five, but the other four, we're going to punish you, and then we're going to run it five more. Right. I, I don't know that Nebraska has the identity yet. Well, you can get it. I mean, it just to be it, effective. They can. It's just that it starts just with practice, right? In and out of the huddle. You know, you want to have like a, you want to simulate the game. Okay, look. Okay, the play's over. Okay, we got the next one going. Who's in? You can't be. You know, everybody's got to be. You know, you got to be on it, right? Because communication on the offensive side of the ball is going to be paramount. You're on the road in a in a crazy environment, which will be a crazy environment. You have to be able to communicate. You have to be ready. You have to be able to anticipate. So you got to be in and out of the huddle. You should have a plan when you want to be out in the huddle. You should be knowing the plays as they come in because you've ran through all these scenarios multiple times during the week, and you should know your playbook. So, you know, really when you come in and you talk about efficiency, like what what happens for coordinators, and I learned this from Ted Cottrell and Wade Phillips, they have like a best-case scenario – worst case scenario and kind of like a middle ground what they probably think is going to happen for every call so that sets up the next one so nobody's like i always say this nobody's calling plays is like all right yeah i want to get you know what i want i want everybody to bum rush the quarterback 16 yard loss ready break that's that doesn't work like that so every play is made up to be somewhat successful in order to keep a rhythm and be efficient you have to execute those right and it's not just the end result that people always think about execution could be as simple as this right in the one in the one sack that that uh, against nebraska when the guy did the spin move right chances are nebraska might not have got that third down 
right? But at least he's trying to get some confidence in his quarterback to operate efficiently in this offense to get him going for a series or two down the road. So when your guard leaves the tackle out hanging, now you're just completely inefficient because you haven't efficiently taken care of the point of attack. So that play is nullified. So then as a coordinator, I'm thinking, well, we had slide protection, two on one. They rushed three. How is this not even – the guys aren't even out of their breaks. So you're trying to set something up for the future. Well, it can't happen. And it, and it kills – it not only kills the play you just ran. It kills, it the, kills next, the next play and, and the then series. the play you were planning on. Right. Like the setup – the whole thing you were setting this – you have a rhythm in your head right. for how the plays are going to be called and what effect they're going to have. they got to be really good on first down, um, whether they're running or passing. But what is that, though? Like in, in, in the Jay Foreman perfect world really, well, they, for this offense – you got what's, I'd what's, like to see them at second and six. And how day. do you get there? Well, first of all, you can run it. Well, what what play? Like I I asked this question: one, who's the best offensive player on the Nebraska team? Two, how do you get them the ball? And three, what plays that you can run effectively one hundred percent of the time? That no matter how often you run it, and no matter what defense they line up in, right? You should be able to. Your run. players you are going to do what's like, right. You should be able to run inside outside zone or whatever their staple is with Gabe Irvin or Ramir and be able to block it up effectively. And I do like the twist that when they brought in Jenkins as the tight end to get some movement, right? I would even I would this is just me, okay? I would even venture to even have him play some fullback. That's literally what I was thinking. And was there, he looked like a fullback, and not a center? And and here's well, you know what? He actually can play center. And that's Oh no, no, I saw him at center. I, I saw he can him at play camp. center. And then you know Scott can play guard, but that's a, a, a yeah, discussion a conversation, for another right? another time. Yeah. And the reason w- what I like that caveat is is because you can establish some figures of physicality. You saw in a couple of plays that where they actually down in the red zone were able to establish a new line of scrimmage, right? And they were starting to get some movement. But then you have less stress on Borkature, Fedoni, and anybody else at the tight end position to be blocking a, a bigger and maybe quicker defensive end, right? So now you're able to do a little bit of wedge blocking there on the edges, and hopefully, you know, you get some movement inside. You're able to kind of gut punch the, the, the defense and make them make plays. I think our advantage is up the middle as far as our center and guard position. Um, I expect Piper to play better, um, and, and I expect Nuri to play better. Then Ben Scott needs to continue to play. That's their best run play, but then their best passing play, I do not know. Because if you because of trying to throw slants and all that type of stuff on the road against these type of corners against what they're gonna do is not gonna work. So how do you how do you circumvent that? Right. In my opinion, and I'm just primarily talking from a defensive perspective. DP mm-hmm. is I would not be opposed. Okay, to throwing a serious I, I'm gonna call it Ephus pitch to their coordinator. Mm-hmm. Right. I might come. I might come in with thirteen personnel, mm-hmm. okay. But then I'm. Not, but I'm gonna go five wides on you, because here's what I'm gonna do. I'm gonna dictate what you're doing defensively. You're not gonna not cover him, right? Now you might not be scared of him, but you're not gonna. Not cover. <laughs> but yeah, that's, I mean, yeah, that's good. Though. That's good. That's very good. So I'm gonna dictate what you're doing, okay? If I want to get confidence in my quarterback, I, I'm setting it up to where you got easy run lanes. Right, then we're gonna then we got you on your heels a little bit, right? Now you can't do this like all game because they will adjust. Well, then 
then I can get into some more plays I like. I'm in a more manageable situation. Hopefully the crowd is starting to go down a little bit. And then we can work Billy Kemp in, right? Yeah. I like yeah. Billy Kemp. Let's see what you can do on a now route, right? Smoke screen, whatever you want to call it. Just really, literally getting the ball and throwing it to him. Catch it. You got one-on-one. Whether it's a zone or not, you're there. You're one-on-one. Get him into the game. And do it with somebody, you know, Marcus Washington is going to end up obviously starting the game and then able to kind of get in a rhythm. That's how you become effi- – that's that's the efficiency right there. That was the biggest takeaway – well, the biggest takeaway I'll share on air uh, from Minnesota being behind the bench was the response and reaction of players to each other, that they saw what you were talking about. And then they started communicating. I'm just not sure it landed on the ears that it needed to land. Right. Yeah. I mean, that's you know, those are that's in-house problems. But I'm just saying. <laughs> I mean, that's, those are just things that I'm talking about from a defensive perspective. If if I've been in at least particularly in the NFL where we felt like we had an advantage, right, against an offense that was struggling. Well, up jumps the cat. They come out and they're doing something totally different because you know what? They have nothing else to lose. Uh-huh. And if they know they can't, you know, pass on you per se yep. or run on you. Okay. Well, we're going to do something else to create some runs or some passes. And just, and, and this is what also fans should know a quarterback, every single quarterback and Tom Brady and Joe Montana, these guys are the best of all time. Dan Marino. When it's just like a pitcher or, or like a Jordan or LeBron seeing the ball go through the hoop, quarterback seeing the guy catch it, it's giving you confidence. If you want a real-life example, last year when we played Purdue, Aiden O'Connell started out like straight garbage, right? (laughs) Right. He threw one little short pass, broke some tackles. Next thing you know, he hit five in a row. That's all it takes. Now, that doesn't mean that Sims is going to be Aiden O'Connell, but what it means is giving him confidence so then he's in a rhythm and going, and then the guys that are calling the plays, the coaches that are coaching on the sidelines – then they're in some sort of rhythm. Then they're able to kind of really freely evaluate how they're being defensed. Didn't they, didn't he find some rhythm? I think I, I'm still trying to figure out. No, that he had a run where he made like four really good throws, and okay. then he throws the pick. Sims. And then he threw the pick, and I just right. went, oh. like, where does that come from? Like, well, how do you it, get out? Like, he pulled himself pretty, out of rhythm to do something that he hadn't done the previous four throws. Because when, from a defensive perspective, yeah. If you go back, I watch this. Now. Yeah. So they got Minnesota on that like a play before. Mm. Okay. And 27 looked at him and is like, I know you're not going to throw that again. Right. So the ne- very next play, you came with it. It's predetermined where you're going. I, I just, it's that whole thing. Copy success. Like the the plays that were successful. There were seven. Well, that play was successful. And then, but 27, who's an All-American first round pick, said, listen. That's too good. I know you like dog. You got me that he's a, yeah. I didn't get over that time. Yeah. You want, it's a perfect example. Like, okay. Against Colorado, I scored it and, and uh, you know, off of the touchdown or whatever. And I, I sat there and I was like, you know what? I'm gonna get me another one. Like just and, take and the Coy next Detmer, step. Like if it's not there, throw it away, bro. Coy Detmer did that. Because <laughs> like, if, throw he, it away. if he would have threw it again, it's two touchdowns. Right. Yeah. So you got to get a little bit, but I think a little Ugh. bit better running attack there. Uh, you know, and, and, and uh, it will help him out. You know, and, 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 and spreading the ball around with multiple people getting their hands on the ball softens up a defense. If you if you want, I always try to look at, for people that are, I like to think our, our listeners are 
sports fan. So Golden State Warriors, when they were really running, obviously even before they went and got Kevin Durant to get some more championships, right? Yeah. Okay, their last championship. When they were really dangerous, when, when, they got, when they needed to go back and get control of a series, when they were in Memphis, right? When Draymond got kicked out. If you go back and watch that first two quarters, six guys scored. So Memphis, who was the best defensive team, efficiency in their rating or analytics-wise, had no answer. They couldn't fix – they couldn't find somebody to stop. That's why Colorado was just off the charts last weekend. TCU couldn't do anything. And then guess what happens when you can't – when you, when, you, when you are soft enough and can't do anything? You start guessing. You start trying to be an individual. You start missing on communication. You start missing checks. You start aligning wrong. You start to align places you think you need to be because of two plays before you got smoked. You're not in the moment. You're just essentially, you're just their puppet. So in order to really do this and really get control of the game, I'd like to see more guys run a couple balls, get something out there, obviously making yards now. Yeah. I mean, obviously we're, we're, yeah. moving, we're trying to move forward here yeah. and eliminate jumping off sides or aligning wrong. That's actually a positive. We're gonna need play. you, Coach Foreman. We're gonna need you. No, I'm gonna be on. I'm gonna be watching up there in the in the in the media booth. Yeah. Hopefully, I'm gonna be sitting up there chilling. <laughs> that booth's gonna be fun. I think Jay's sitting next to me for this game. I'm just gonna have my notepad. I, I went and got. I'm gonna that. have my computer I, on record. But I got my. I got, <laughs> I'm bringing binoculars. Because right. that's. I'm seriously. I want. I'm binoculars. So I can literally live live stream and and uh, dictate. So, anyways, that's what we need to do. We're gonna go to a quick break here. And uh, I want everybody to text in on the text line. Who is the one player from the Colorado, you know, Colorado team from the past, right? The rivalry that you hate the most. Because there's one that I always hated, DP. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know what I mean? Well, and you have reason. I have reason. And every time I played against them in the league, I tried to – I mean, I tried to kill – I punched him in his stomach. He had the little Pillsbury Doughboy. He had that old man's stomach, DP. Yep, yep. It did hurt a little bit. Uh. But Jay Forber, DP, uh, <laughs> we'll be right back. Watch Old School Live on Facebook, YouTube, or Twitch. Old School with DP and Jay on 93.7 The Ticket and theticketfm.com.